Ryan, are you there? Hello, Michael. Hello, Internet. Hello, world. Hello, worldwide Internet. Welcome to another edition of the Buck and Sack Show. It's just shy of 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific time on Monday, July 30th, 2018. I'm Michael Sachs. That voice you heard on the other line is Ryan Buckley. I'm excited for another episode, man. I'm back. I got back from an th- almost three-week trip to the East Coast yesterday. Uh, I'm, feeling, I'm not feeling too jet-lagged. I got a couple good workouts in. I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling excellent. Uh, the weather here in Portland hasn't just been warm. It's been downright hot. It's yeah. starting to cool down now, but um, it's been a really uh, refreshing weekend uh, with some barbecuing and some live music and uh, recharged for the week ahead, ready to rock. Let's rock. Why don't you uh, give me your good? Well, let me just take take if we have any new listeners through it. We're going to each do our good, our bad, and interesting of the week. Three topics each, then a wild card at the end. Uh, we're not in a huge hurry like we were last week when I had to run out. I was in Richmond, Virginia, um, but I'm back here in San Francisco. I'm ready to roll. Start us off with your good of the week there, Buck. So my good of the week uh, is somewhat broad, but it's... Uh, kind of brought about because of something that I'm doing right now, and that is uh, gambling with your buddies. That is one <laughs> of uh, one of the things that I really enjoy. Um, I am in a, a league that you're very familiar with uh, just through our conversation through the years, but I'm in the throes of a, a fantasy draft for a 10-team or a 10-sport fantasy league, I should say. We call it the Gauntlet, yeah. and it's with a, a bunch of friends, and um, it's more complicated than is worth uh, spending time on. Uh, it's not super complicated. No, it's not that complicated. It, it is, uh, but yeah, you, you, you essentially take a team or an individual from the 10 major sports, and you track their success for the, the duration of their season, and whoever does the best across all 10 sports wins the league, um, and it's... I am in the in the middle of the gauntlet draft as we speak, and when I say as we speak, because we have people all over the place, and there's no online platform that supports this, uh, it can't really be held in like a live draft room like you would have with fantasy football or baseball. So we do the whole draft over uh, Slack. We used to do it over email, uh, but basically, people because of varying schedules have essentially 12 hours to make their pick each time they're up. So it takes about two weeks for us to do this draft, but we're right in the middle of it. And uh, more than it is about the gambling, I think that it just brings uh, me and some of my friends together to, to um, shoot the breeze about various sports topics, about various other topics outside of sports. And um, I think it can be kind of a cool and fun unifier as far as um, being a good way to, to keep in touch with people. I know during the fall, you play in some, uh, some pick em pools. You do some stuff with your dad. Yeah. Um, you know, even extend it out to like being in Vegas for a weekend with buddies and you're both betting on the same game and you're pulling for the second half under for some stupid reason. Um, there's just, there's a lot of be, there's a lot of fun to be had with friends in the realm of gambling. And, uh, and that's what I'm feeling is good this week. Yeah. I mean, I love gambling with friends I, you know, that you started out. You're good of the week is gambling with friends. I love gambling with friends. Uh, I mean, I've been doing it all my life. You know, it, it's funny. I was thinking as you were talking about that, the first time I gambled with friends, it's actually a pretty good story. I think the first time I was really gambling with friends was we did a March Madness pool, I think in fourth grade. It could have been third grade. It was either third or fourth grade. And I remember it was the year that UNLV 
won the championship. They beat Duke and won the championship. And it was a very simple style. Like we each, you know, I don't know how many of us were in it, but we each picked a team. And you basically, whoever won the tournament and had that team won the pool. And I remember I won. And then, of course, like two or three guys who were bitter about the fact that they didn't win (laughs) ratted me out to the teacher and I ended up having to give all my money back. So I've been gambling with friends going back to third or fourth grade, you know, which is really (laughs) pretty early if you think about it, especially (laughs) like pre-smartphone, pre-internet for sure. Um, And you said it, you know, my my biggest thing that I like to do with friends is my dad uh, many years ago, well, really, the, the the genesis of it was, is my dad has only told me and my brother to not do two main things in our life. And he, 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 preached, <laughs> he, he preached this all growing up. He said, I don't want you gambling with a bookie. In other words, like a, an illegal bookie. Like, he's fine if we yeah, go to Yeah, like Vegas a person that's going to come and break your legs if you don't Yeah, no, no gambling with bookies and no riding mo- motorcycles. And uh, so those mm-hmm. have kind of been the those two. Those are good, two good rules to live by. I think so. I mean, they make a lot of sense. I mean, he could have been a lot more strict. That's <laughs> Nobody's going to argue with that. <laughs> but I think in order to show us how hard it was to beat the bookie and just how hard sports gambling is, to begin with, he he sort of started a pool many many years ago. I we were I was probably in high school. I'm you know I just turned forty, so this has been going on for probably twenty plus years. It started off with just me, my brother, and my dad. We would pick five college five pro games against the spread, and we still do it. Except it's spread now. I think there's about twenty. 20 of us in the league now, it's all family, and then people we've invited are friends, um, it, and my dad is still the commissioner, although he had some big news when I saw him just uh, about a week ago in Virginia, he's actually going to give the commish duties for the NFL, because we do NFL and college, they're two separate okay. pools, he's going to relinquish his NFL duties to this other guy in the league, I actually got first right of refusal, I said I wanted no part of it. So he went. He went to one of my sister's friends. So he's going to be the commissioner now, which is kind of a big move for my dad because you know he's been doing this for over over twenty years. But you know, I was in Richmond. I saw a, a buddy who's in my league, so that you know, it's always fun. Like you said, it it's not just about the gambling; it's about the camaraderie that kind of goes around mm-hmm. it. You know, and so I saw him, and we talked about the league that's coming up, and he and I have always. Had a long-standing side bet on this league, and you know I bet with, with my friends all the time. Like me and me and a buddy bet each other on all kinds of stuff. I mean, we do like mm-hmm. the Vegas over/unders on the MLB season. You know, how, you know, like the are the Yankees going to win over/under ninety-five games or whatever it is. We'll do that on every team. We've been doing that on MLB, NBA, and NFL, and college football for a bunch of years. So I don't. I've never gambled illegally honestly in my whole life like i haven't done i have never had an online account the only betting well i said yeah. i guess this betting i do like in my dad's pool technically is illegal i hope the feds aren't listening although i think the feds have more important things to do than our 20 dollar pool but <laughs> you know i've never <laughs> bet online i've never bet like with a bookie in town i've only really bet in vegas or just super small time stakes like you're doing and you, I love your gauntlet, man. It's really cool because it's not just about players. It's not about stats. It's about wins and losses and team and individual championships. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, you know this, but we tried to do, you gave me sort of your spreadsheet and we tried to 
do our own gauntlet at my bachelor party and there just wasn't enough interest, I still want to get it going yeah. with my buddies or maybe even get an invite to yours one of these days. But I, no uh-huh, pressure, yeah. no, no, no pressure on that. But yeah, <laughs> here's to betting with friends, a great good of the week. Um, so I guess it's time. I've been talking a lot there, but I guess I'll just roll right into my good of the week. Uh, my good of the week is, you know, we're about 23 hours now from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. It's at 1 o'clock tomorrow uh-huh. Pacific time. And we've seen some trades. We haven't seen anything huge. The biggest one was Manny Machado. But, you know, yep. after tomorrow, Wednesday will be August the 1st. It's hard to believe that it's already August. But when you get to August, you kind of feel like the baseball season's winding down. But it's really not. We're, you know, there's still a third of the season left. There's a lot of baseball left to be played. But I didn't you know, just sort of broke down the pennant races because, let's face it, I mean, I feel like we've been talking about this now for over a month, or maybe even two months, but this is a really slow time. You know, ever since the NBA Finals ended, uh, there hasn't been a ton of sports. And the Braves, I'm a huge Braves fan, I follow all their games, they almost threw a no-hitter yesterday, which we'll get to in a little bit. But in the American League, you've basically got three titans. You've got the Red Sox, who are 74-33, and the Yankees are, are now four back in the loss column. They're 67 and 37, but they have the second best record in the AL. The big news there is their slugger, Aaron Judge, got hit by a pitch the other day. He's going to miss at least three weeks. And honestly, I think yep. it's going to be more than that. It's going to be hard to swing a yeah, bat. Yeah, I think they said three weeks before he could swing a bat in a game. Yeah. And I don't know what that means. I mean, swinging a bat in a cage is no different than swinging a bat in the game, really. You have to – can you do a full swing or can you not? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be at least three weeks till they get him back. But they're in pretty good shape. You know, they got the second-best record in the, in the AL. And then the defending champs, Houston is 67-40. and 40. They're four up on the Mariners, six up on the A's. So the A's are two back of Seattle for the second wild card. And then the Indians are 67 and 47. So those are basically four out of, four out of those five teams are going to be in the playoffs. The Angels and Rays are nine and nine and a half back in the wild card. Hard to see them catching up. So you, the AL playoffs are basically set. I mean, which is crazy to think we're we're still in July, technically almost to August, and they're set. And I think that any of those teams, except for maybe the A's and probably the Mariners, could win the pennant. I mean, the AL playoffs is going to be incredible. Uh, the the NL is yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the the NL playoffs. I'm sorry, the NL races are much closer. The Cubs have the best record narrowly. They're 61-44. and 44. They're only a game and a half up on the Brew Crew. Both of those teams have made some moves here of late to strengthen and their And the clubs. Pirates were on a tear. They, they went on like And, and a, the Cardinals thought, have like, been playing well, day. too. Winston. Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt Carpenter and his spicy salsa have been tearing uh-huh. it up. I was fortunate to pick up Carpenter on my fantasy team, of course, I'm still in last place, which I can't figure out. It feels like I've got a great team and we suck. I, I, I almost feel like maybe the Russians have hacked into my league. I, I don't, I don't know what's Ooh. going on there. We might need an, an independent investigation. Uh, but in the West, the NL West is probably the most exciting division in baseball right now. The Dodgers, who everyone expected to win it, are 59 and 47. But the D backs and, and Rockies are, are within a game of the Dodgers, and then your Giants are. They're starting to fade, Ryan. You know, Cueto went yeah, down. Are. He's probably done for the year. They're just not that good, but they're hanging in there. They're six and a half games back. They're, they're hanging in there. And then the Phillies are leading the NL East a game and a half up on my Braves. And then the Nationals are six back, who are probably right now the most. Also fading. 
Yeah, they're the most disappointing team in baseball. There's talk of them just becoming big sellers here in the next 23 hours. Even some rumors of Bryce Harper being on the move. You know, uh-huh. uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but apparently their whole bullpen is on the block. It just seems like all the relievers on every team that we haven't mentioned here is on the block. It seems like there's relievers galore. And so I think the Braves, some other teams are going to go out and try to strengthen their bullpen. I don't see any huge names moving. Maybe Harper. That would be a huge shock. Um, but the NL wild card race, you've got eight teams within six games of each other. You mentioned the Cards and Pirates. That's going to be super exciting. But I don't know if any of those teams are really that good. You know, I don't know. It seems like the NL's wide open, but it also seems like none yeah. of those teams in the NL can beat any of those teams or whoever comes out of the American League. The American League is fierce. I mean, it's absolutely yep. stacked. Um, it's going to kind of be a boring two months in the AL to end the season, but then when October comes around, it's going to be awesome. I'm just excited to see how it all shakes out. Major League Baseball, you know, they call August the dog days. I think it's going to be It's good that the National League is so competitive because the AL kind of is just almost a fait accompli. Um, with the exception, maybe the A's continue to stay hot. If the A's can get that second wild card, that would be a heck of a story. And you know what? I'm actually really interested in that wild card race now that I'm up here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, I haven't been watching um, a ton of Mariner baseball, but I've been following it a lot more closely. And they've got a really good young team. Their their hitters are all, I think, outperforming what people thought they would do this season. Um, and and frankly, they're, they're pitching – um, they've gotten some really impressive stuff from Marco Gonzalez and uh, and also from uh, James Paxton, even though he is currently on the disabled I list. I think he comes back. But to they've that. had their. He's supposed to. He's he's his his back's been iffy, and and he was supposed to come back last week, and uh, and they kept him on the DL right before the start came about. So we'll see. I I, I hope that he's healthy, but really, I, I think it's interesting there because. Felix Hernandez has not been pitching well. If he can find it, that gives you an extra weapon. And they're going to get Robinson Cano back, who's serving a PED suspension. And, you know, maybe when other teams are starting to wear down, that gives them a little bit of an injection. And it's been fun to watch the A's and the way they're able to just stack runs with how they hit the home run and how they come from behind on people. Um, It's just... I am interested in that wild card race. And right now, the Astros are a little bit banged up. They've uh, Altuve just hit the disabled list for the first time in his career. Correa is already on the disabled yeah. list. And they're only four games up on the Mariners anyways. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for the AL West race, even though the rest of the AL, the East and the Central, um, appears to be kind of foregone conclusions that you're going to get you know, your, your Yankees or Red Sox winning the East. The other takes one wild card. You're getting the Indians in the Central. But then you've got this kind of... Uh, dogfight going on in the West. Yeah, and I like how you've embraced the role of the Buck and Sack Show Mariners insider. I I, I really do like that. <laughs> I like how you've like now know all this stuff about the Mariners. Um, it's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get out to an A's game. I always go to at least one A's game a season. I haven't been yet this year. I'm gonna have to get out. I'll wait until they play the Mariners or the Astros and ho- and and roll out to the mausoleum as, as it's not so fondly known. You know, going to an A's game is so weird. It's just like you get to the stadium and you get in there and it's usually just almost totally empty. And it's just such a weird vibe for baseball. I mean, it's still the major leagues, but it doesn't feel like it a lot of the time, but you know, when, 
their fans will, I think if they're in this hunt, I think you will see better attendance in Oakland the last two months, particularly the last month. It'll probably, they'll probably sit out August and come back in September, you know, when the weather dies, gets a little cooler. Although we're right in the middle now, I'm looking out the window. I mean, it is about as, we're in the dead of summer here and it's just fogged in every day. Although I haven't been here for like three weeks, but everybody here says it's just been foggy every day. I mean, you can, I mean, I'm not kidding right now, Ryan, and I know you believe me, but the visibility right now in San Francisco is literally 15 feet, and it's July Wow! It's July 30th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It is grim out there. I mean, it's like foggy and windy. It's probably about 58 degrees, but feels colder. I've got a sweatshirt on. It's weird. I mean, it's weird being on the East Coast, and it's like 89 to 94 every day. And then you come back here and you expect it to just be summer and it's just like it's it's crazy. It's just weird how the weather works out here. It's really the one real downside of living here. But let, let's move on. Why don't you hit me with your bad of the week as you know, we're we're I think we're both excited for baseball. We're gonna continue to follow it. Uh, NFL and college football, NFL's in training camp, but we've really got another month here of pretty much nothing but baseball. So we're gonna keep talking baseball, but give give us your bad of the week. Uh, so my bat of the week, uh, another curveball for me and not what I uh, pre- previously told you I was going to go with, but uh, the, the human body getting older, the aging process, mm. my goodness. I played in a rec league basketball game yesterday. Uh, I'm not in a rec league, but uh, a team that was already assembled that some of my friends were on um, had plays in a league that has pretty loose rules about using substitutes. So um, I get the phone call when they are uh, light on personnel. And that was the case yesterday. And uh, and so, first of all, let me say that this is full court, um, 48 minutes, two 24-minute halves of running clock. So you're, it's not a true 48, but it's uh, it's a lot of work when you consider that we only had five guys, oh. uh, of which I was <laughs> one. So, I mean, if I being dog tired is just you know was a foregone conclusion, but. I got pinballed around the lane a little bit by uh, some guys even bigger than me, and uh, I'm a pretty big guy. So it was, uh, I took one fall in particular that at the time I thought I might have shattered my right kneecap. And if it doesn't feel better about a week from now, I'll probably go get it checked out. But oh. um, I, I know you've actually done that. Um, I, I did. And, I, but I, I've got, I, yeah. Yeah, I've got floor burns, I've got bruised ribs, my shoulders hurt for some reason. Um, my right elbow, I can't lean on because of the way I hit the floor. I'm like, I don't remember the the point in time exactly when I couldn't get knocked to the hardwood a couple times and not really feel much about it. But I felt okay after the game yesterday, and I woke up and I felt a little worse, and now I'm feeling even worse, and it's it's going the wrong direction right now. And so, not a big fan. Of my bat of the week. Getting old, at least as it relates to us participating in contact sports as we get older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. I've basically given up all sort of sports. You know, I, w- I do work out a lot. I e- either go running or I've got these kettlebells here at my house that I work out with. And I find that the kettlebells, even more so than dumbbells and regular weights at the gym, are easier on my body, which is why I've gone to them. Okay. I, I mean, I work out five or six days a week, but I play no more sports. I'm, I'm basically retired from all team sports. In fact, you brought it up the time that I was playing with you guys. Uh, you know, it was kind of like a work run, like every Tuesday morning. I think it was the last time I played. I 
you know, it was a non-contact injury, as they say. I think I just tripped and fell Mm -hmm. and banged my right kneecap so hard that it literally cracked. And I didn't, Mm -hmm. to be honest, it didn't hurt that bad. I never went to the doctor for it, but probably about nine or ten months later, I was in Atlanta, and my buddy's a doctor there, and I had him sort of check me out, and he kind of just took, you know, a quick feel of the old kneecap, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got a cracked kneecap for sure. And, uh, but he said it, it seemed it'll probably heal itself. And I think it did. And that was probably the last time I played a team sport, to be honest. And that was like, I don't know, three or four years ago. So yeah, I mean, anytime I would go to play basketball with a long layoff, it was a guarantee that something was going to hurt. If not a full on injury, it's, uh, you're crazy for going out there. When you told me you were playing in a rec league, I was like, <laughs> That's a bad idea, but I wasn't going to say it to you, but I will now because you're... <laughs> but you know, you know what? I felt great afterwards. You know, it was it was a really good... I mean, I was drenched. It was like, it was an awesome, like, sweat, competitive thing. We were even, we were down 10 nothing to start. We won 60 to 47. Played some great team ball. The other team was trying to zone us, and we just passed the hell out of them. Uh, it was really nice. Oh, I mean, I'm not saying it's not fun. I mean, playing a team sport is one of the most fun things you can do, but... You know, for me now being a dad and a husband and also, you know, trying to work, it's like I can't afford to just be out for, you know, I don't want to blow out my knee or blow out my Achilles. In fact, one of my buddies I saw in Richmond, he was playing racquetball and he just blew out his Achilles and had to miss like six or seven weeks of work. I mean, I think he got comp, but I mean, these kinds of things happen all the time. It's crazy, really. It's, It's amazing how quickly the body goes and just says, nope, nope, we don't want to do that anymore. You need to stop. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you have an expiration date that's way sooner than you think. It's crazy to think. And I remember my older brother, who's like 12 years older than me, I, you know, a while ago, he was telling me, you know, I was telling him I played baseball or basketball or whatever. He's like, you better enjoy it while you can because when you get to be about 40, you're done. And I thought he was, you know, the old man. Who was wrong, but nope, turns out he was right, because now that I'm 40, I want no part of that, even though I do, I do really want to play, but like I said, I just can't afford to have some terrible injury like that, so be careful out there. Um, And one of the things I will say about that, too, and and to to bring it back to sports and tie it all in, is I also walked around today, hobbled in my radio station, thinking about how much more respect these uh, these instances for me give me for uh, other older pro athletes who are out there, like oh, guys yeah. like Philip Rivers and guys like Brett Favre, who just got the hell beat out of them week to week. And I think about someone being that much older, seven, eight years older than I am right now, you know, right at your age or a little bit higher, where they're going out there getting hit by the fastest, strongest men in the world and getting up and doing it over and over again. I mean, I, I played in a in a 48-minute, essentially, pickup game that wasn't real rough, and I feel like crap. And these guys are going out there doing a whole lot more, and it's, it's really remarkable. Yeah, hashtag PEDs. That's the thing that I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, when people talk about performance-enhancing drugs, I think that they kind of miss a big point of the reason why a lot of these professional athletes do them. It's for what you just mentioned. It's about recovering from injury. You know, these guys are hurt all the time. It's not just football players, obviously. I mean, NBA players, baseball players, hockey players, tennis players, golfers, it doesn't matter. 
I think that they these performance-enhancing drugs really do help them recover from injury a lot more, and I think that that's a big part of the reason that they do them. And I also think that there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't even know about. I mean, we hear about steroids and, and HGH, but I'm willing to bet there's a bunch of stuff out there in play that we don't know about that are specifically designed for recovering from injuries. And, you know, more power, totally more, more, more power to them. You know, if you can go out there and continue to stay on the field and, and, and make your, make your check, you know, I, I've got nothing, I've got no problem with that whatsoever. Um, but let's shift to my bad of the week. And, you know, we were discussing yep. topics earlier this morning and we both kind of wanted to talk about the baseball hall of fame and, uh, you know, one of my favorite players ever, Chipper Jones, first ballot Hall of Famer inducted yesterday. I always loved Trevor Hoffman. He was inducted yesterday. How cool was it that Bochy missed the Giants game and took a red eye so he could be there for his former closer when he was back with the Padres? I thought that was awesome. But that's not yeah. my bad of the week. Because it always seems like whenever we talk about Major League Baseball, there's always something going on off the field that kind of maybe overshadows what's going on on the field. What goes on on the field is awesome. But for whatever reason in baseball, there's always some other story. Uh, and for me, I'm going to term it milkshake duck, which is uh, yes, what, what, I've come, duck. Which I've, what I've come to understand is sort of this internet sensation where a guy that you thought previously was kind of lily white and clean only to be ruined by something he did online. And we've seen it now in the month of July three different times in Major League Baseball. We had Josh Hader, who you brought up last week, where you know he had some insensitive, either racially or homophobic, homophobically motivated tweets um, when he was young, like 18 or 19 years old, and somebody sort of unearthed them on his Twitter feed and started put him out there while he was playing in his first All-Star game. Um, and then it while happened, he was pitching in the All-Star game. Yeah, yeah, and then it happened yesterday. Sean Newcomb of the Braves, who's had a breakout season, was one strike away from throwing a no-hitter against the Dodgers, and then Chris Taylor broke it up. I actually got home from the airport in time to watch that on my phone in the ninth inning, so I got to yeah. see that. Uh, it was disappointing and fun at the same time because, you know, you lose the no-hitter, but you still pitch a great game. You pitch a shutout, and the Braves needed a win. They would have gotten swept four in a row by the Dodgers if they hadn't won that game. And then same mm -hmm. night, Trey Turner, the all-star uh, infielder of the Nationals, same thing. Somebody unearthed a bunch of tweets. I think the same person discovered both Newcomb and Trey Turner's tweets. And the whole thing is just so strange. I mean, you talk about just a strange part of our society right now where Sports kind of meets social media, kind of meets the political climate that's going on maybe a little bit. I'm not really sure how to describe it, but it's just weird mm -hmm. where these guys who are out there literally like doing their job playing baseball and some other guy who they've never met is sitting at home or wherever he is just on Twitter unearthing these super old tweets. I mean, I don't really know what to make of it. It's certainly not a good look for these famous athletes to have these things unearthed. But then at the same time, it's also very weird for somebody to have nothing better to do with their time than unearthing tweets from four, five, six years ago. You know, I don't know what to say about it. It's just not good. You know, we should be talking about Sean Newcomb's great performance, not about his insensitive tweets from when he was a teenager. He's apologized for it, of course, and now I thought it was kind of cool how Ender Enciarte and some of his other brave teammates 
came to his came to Newcomb's defense and said what a great guy he was and they forgive him and all this stuff. Now Newcomb's gonna have to go to New York next week when they when they play the Mets and meet with Billy Bean, not the A's Billy Bean, but the Billy Bean who sure, the other one. who who our friend Sean Madison did I think he did a documentary on about being one of the first outwardly gay athletes. He's gonna have to meet with him, which is good. You know, that's cool. I've got certainly got no problem with that. It's just a very strange part of our culture right now and i wish it didn't exist yeah i'll say i'll preface all of this by saying these guys putting this stuff out there um while we can you know blame their youth and not knowing any better it's a really bad look and it's it's something that unfortunately is probably going to follow them but I would rather not focus on that as much because I think we can all identify that as bad. What, I have two two major things, and one is that it is absolutely pathetic that there are people out there who are going to spend the time to make themselves feel better about their own lives by searching through someone else's past only to expose them to thousands of others uh, and do so essentially anonymously. I yeah. mean, I don't know what kind of person it is that sits back. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to even just comb through your own Twitter lo- timeline. It takes a while. Long if time. If you tweet frequently, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, so it, that means someone out there has this malicious is- intent and is sitting on their couch or on their laptop, you know, wherever they are at their desk. And they're just combing through someone else's life with the sole purpose of destroying it. That's really sad. And I think that sucks. Um, the, the second thing I'll say about it is, at what point do these athletes not realize that this is going to be found out about them? And maybe they don't even remember that they tweeted these things. But now that you've seen it happen in multiple sports to multiple people, why and and, for, and furthermore, why haven't the teams made each player come to them individually with something signed that says, I have scrubbed my t- Twitter feed. There will not be any PR surprises. I mean, these guys all make enough money. You could pay someone, you know, a couple thousand bucks to go through every tweet ever, flag the ones that might be questionable, and let you run by them and see if you want to delete them later. But the fact that this has now come to bite so many people and guys are still getting caught is, like, laughable to me. It's ridiculous. So those are the two things I'll say about it. Yeah, I mean, I think we're in total agreement. And honestly, I think it should now be the job of every team's PR department to do what you just said, to literally go back through the Twitter feed of every one of their players and flag anything that's questionable. I mean, we're to the point now where, sadly, I think that needs to be in the job description of, you know, every major sports PR department because it's just not worth, you know, having two guys like us talk about this on on their podcast. I mean, you go... You go through Twitter today, everybody's talking about it. I, do, I don't think it's going to really stick to these guys as much as it maybe once would. I think we're all at a point now where social media, where maybe we don't take it as seriously as we once did. I don't know. It's on a case-by-case basis. If, if LeBron had come out, if, if, he had, if we found some insensitive tweets from him, it's going to be a completely different story than if we find something from Sean Newcomb, certainly. Um, you know, at the end of the See, day, I, I'm not so sure about that. I think it could go the other way, though, because with LeBron, there's so much other stuff to talk about. And at least for me right now, you look at guys like Hayter and Newcomb, who are largely unknown with the exception of one big performance. I mean, they're, maybe they're up and comers and they will be 
bigger names, but I think that you now just associate their name with that one yeah. thing because that's the one thing you know about yeah, them. That's so that's why point. I wonder if it's a little bit tougher to shake. Whereas LeBron, I mean, you know him for all these other things too. Well, I, yeah, I think you're right, but I can promise you if we came out with some racial tweets from LeBron, it would be a huge story. I mean, it would oh, be... Oh, I'm not disputing that. Yeah, I, I, and I think that it would be, obviously, a much bigger, bigger deal than if Josh Hader, Sean Newcomb, or Trey Turner did it. But I don't know. I mean, there's not much more we can say on this. I just wish it would stop happening on both sides. I wish these guys would be a little more savvy, both in terms of, A, not tweeting them out to begin with, B, going back and scrubbing it, and then C, to your point, whoever these people are that are going back and, you know, apparently have the time to do this and unearth these tweets, I wish they would stop too. I mean, it's not really benefiting anyone. And I, I just, the whole thing is just a sad commentary on our society, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of yours and most other reasonable, responsible Americans. But on that note, give us your interesting of the week. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting of the week. Yeah, so my interesting of the week uh, comes from something I just saw, uh, honestly, within the hour before our show. I wasn't expecting to change this. And I will say it, it ties, what I was going to say previously, ties into what you mentioned before uh, with Bruce Bochy being in Cooperstown. I just thought it was interesting that he's going to get credited for a win in a game that he didn't manage yeah. while he was seeing uh, another player that he used to manage get inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's, it's one of those kind of only in baseball type stories. It could have happened on on any day, but I just thought the whole mechanics of that was interesting. Not a lot to talk about here, there though. I think there is more to talk about here. And that is regarding your boy, Jim Harbaugh, who I know that you actually worked with at one point. I did. Um, but have you seen the recent quotes from new UCLA uh, quarterback and Michigan transfer Wilton Spate? I have, about the chicken being a nervous animal. So for yeah. those who haven't seen it, and you're you're right on it, um, you know we've heard of some of the zaniness and the things about Jim Harbaugh that make him unique. I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, that uh, there's a lot of ways you could go there, but I think unique is probably the most uh, down the middle. Uh, but it says this is from. I'll, I'll read this from the Bleacher Report article. Harbaugh pulled Spate aside and told him not to eat chicken, a protein that is concerned. Are considered fairly safe by nutritionists. When Spate asked why, Harbaugh said, "Because it's a nervous bird." Uh, quote: He thinks some type of sickness injected its way into the human population when people began eating white meats instead of beef and pork. Spate says, and he believes it a hundred percent. And and I mean, this is a guy that we've heard say, you know, kids should eat steak and drink whole milk and things like that. But we're at a point now where I don't even think this is for theatrics because this sounds like it was a private conversation between Harbaugh and Spate. Is the guy just a psychopath? Is he an evolved caveman? What 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 is your impression of Jim Harbaugh? What was it then? What is it now? Because the guy seems um, just I don't know. I don't want to say off his rocker, but that's a pretty extreme take. Don't eat chicken because it's a nervous bird. Yeah, it's a super weird thing to say, and I you know. I did know Harbaugh a, a long time ago. It's been probably, let's see, it was in, I guess, like 08, 09, and 2010 that he and I worked together. Um, I was producing the Chargers, a weekly Chargers preview show. He had just been named the head coach at USD, San Diego, which was his first head coaching job when he was done playing 
in the NFL. And I, you know, our relationship began oddly, and and it was kind of a good story. I literally was had just been named producer of this new show, and I saw that he had been the head coach, and I. I don't remember what the situation was. I, there, I think the analysts they had used the year before had left, or maybe I just wanted to inject the show with some fresh blood. I don't quite remember. But I literally looked up, you know, in the phone book, uh, you know, the USD football office number. I called it. Someone answered, and I said, yeah, can I sp- please speak to Jim Harbaugh? And he said, this is Jim. Um, so he was just <laughs> – an- Answering the phone at the USD football office, and our relationship began that began like that. And really, that's very we, on brand for him. Yeah, and we we got along great. You know, I basically just sort of explained what I what I wanted to offer him, and he on the spot said, "Yep, I'm in. Sign me up. Just tell me where to go and when." And so, you know, he came every week. Uh, you know, for the entire NFL season for three seasons, all three seasons that he was the head coach at USD. Uh, and then we both moved to the Bay Area at the same time. I, for the job where I met you at CSN Bay Area, and then he became the head coach at Stanford. And we always got along super well. I really liked him a lot. I think he was a little bit different back then than he's evolved into being. Um, and I don't know um, what he's like now. I haven't seen him in a long time. I do, you know, see the same things that you see. Although there is this kind of behind-the-scenes all-access show that he did with Michigan that I guess is on Amazon. I've heard that it's really good. Okay. I haven't watched it. I want to. Um, I think that he, I do, my personal opinion is, and I this is just me, I could be wrong. I think a lot of the stuff he does is for a reason. I think some of it is contrived. I think that he really is a really good intention man i think he's really smart i think he's really charismatic i think he's a really good leader and i think he's a really good coach and i'm surprised that he's struggling as much as he is at michigan particularly on the recruiting side um and i'm really surprised he hasn't been able to get a better quarterback although he's got this guy shea patterson from Ole miss but just as a person Mm -hmm. i think i you know i observed him closely at stanford and then into Sam, the 49ers, where I covered him pretty much every day in my role there at CSN Bay Area, um, as, mm-hmm. as you did as well. And I think that he mm-hmm. got a lot more paranoid in the NFL. I think he got a lot more yeah. guarded. And I think that he got a lot more, I don't know, crazy, for lack of a better word. But I also think that a lot of the stuff he says that people sort of uh, latch on to, like this chicken thing, is done for an effect. Now, to your point, sure. I think maybe this one isn't because it wasn't said to the public. Um, it was said in Yeah, private. and that's the difference, yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's getting a little older. Maybe he's feeling <laughs> the – I do think that with the Niners, he felt a lot of pressure to win. You know, he had a really good team. He got really close. You know, he used to tell me um, – you know, we used to kind of talk about his playing days, and there was the famous game where, you know, where he really kind of got – I don't know if this was the game, but he was known as Captain Comeback. And there was the famous AFC Championship game where he was the Colts QB and he came way back on the Steelers, but uh, he had like a last-second Hail Mary that fell short. I, I, I remember him telling me, you know, he told me kind of the story of that game and how crushed he was that he didn't get to the Super Bowl. And he basically said that was the closest a Harbaugh had ever been to the Super Bowl and that he longed mm-hmm. to, for uh, hoping that he or his dad or his brother, you know, all of whom were at one time NFL coaches. Well, at that point, mm-hmm. he had not been an NFL coach. So I think when he got right. to the Niners, 
he really, really wanted to win a Super Bowl. I could just tell in a number of conversations that I would have with him how much he wanted to get to and win a Super Bowl. And obviously, he came really close uh, with the Niners. In fact, he obviously lost to his brother. So one of them won the Super yeah. Bowl. They both were there. Obviously, that was a huge moment for his family. And I think that he's just kind of become more crazy from there. It seems like he's just getting weirder and weirder with Michigan. I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, he can't beat Ohio State. He can't beat Urban Meyer. He lost that terrible game uh, you know, where they literally threw it away to Michigan State. They haven't done a good job of beating Michigan State. He's struggling to beat his two main rivals. I think he's starting to feel the pressure. I think he's starting to say a bunch of crazy stuff. I don't know what's going on. You know, I, again, I haven't talked to him in years. But I don't know yeah. what I don't know what to make of him anymore. But I don't think that this sort of public persona he has that's not who he was with me. Uh, with me, yeah. he was just kind of you know. It's like I always say this to people when they ask me what he was like. He was the guy that everybody knows in high school. Where you know every high school has like the guy that's clearly the best athlete. He's like the quarterback on the base on the football team, the shortstop on the baseball team, and you know, he, he's also good at another sport. Maybe he's good at golf or whatever. Maybe the point guard on the basketball team. And he's just kind of sure. gets, he gets all the girls and everybody likes him. And he's kind of arrogant, but like in a fun way. That's who Jim Harbaugh yeah. is. Like, that's who I knew him to yeah, be. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, and I think that he's sort of grown older and morphed into this sort of caricature of himself more more yeah lately. that's a great expression to use here yeah. um so i don't know i guess that's my take on it i do want to watch that amazon show because uh, i think i'll enjoy it I, I i still like him i root for him although i am not a michigan fan i do not like michigan but you know I, <laughs> I, I i do like him and i root for him and i hope that he can get over the hump and beat ohio state you know it this year certainly and then down the line as well Fair enough. Uh, your interesting of the week. My interesting of the week is, in a word, Bronny. Uh, I've been I've been fascinated Bronny. by Bronny, LeBron James Jr. You know this thirteen year old, the oldest son of LeBron James, and it seems like whenever I get on Instagram now, all summer there's just highlights of Bronny doing stuff. Like whether it's him or his dad, I was re- I'm just intrigued by the whole thing. He's he's thirteen years old. He's I think he's. Is he going into 8th grade or is he going into ninth grade? I think he's about to start 8th grade in L.A. You know, obviously his family has now moved to L.A. And he's yeah. like one of the best basketball players. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting angles. I think the most interesting part of it to me is, you know, his dad was the biggest prospect in any sport at the youngest age that the world has ever known, with the exception maybe Correct. of Tiger Woods. I think we knew of Tiger, you know, if you were a big sports fan, you kind of knew about Tiger when Tiger was like, I don't know, 12 or 13, around the same age Bronny is now, and you kind of learned about LeBron around the same age, and obviously LeBron and Tiger became megastars, so I'm really interested to see how Bronny handles this unbelievable attention that's on him, and I can't tell if the atten- how much of the attention is on him because he's LeBron's son, and how much of the attention is on him because he's really, really good at basketball. Um, it's hard to tell how good he is just because there's this sort of firestorm, not firestorm isn't the right word, but just an increased glare around him because he's LeBron James Jr. You know, at the, they were in Vegas over the weekend. It's like 
CP3 and Dwayne Wade and Guavo from Migos, your boy, we're, 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 we're sitting courtside, you know, just watching this guy play. And then LeBron comes out of the stands. He's like in the quote-unquote layup line, but it wasn't a layup line. It was a dunk line. LeBron's doing these sick dunks. And it's like I like looking at the video and seeing how many people are just like have their phones out videotaping the whole thing. It's like there's... 45 angles of LeBron doing dunks at his son before his son's game. It's like, imagine what we could have figured out if there were that many cameras on the Zabruder film when JFK was assassinated. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> There's so many interesting <laughs> angles going on. And then I guess Lebr- LeBron, Bronny had his first dunk, which I have a hard time believing that dunk we saw online yesterday was his first dunk. I think it might have been his first one in a game. Okay. I I was unclear on that. Everybody was saying it was his first dunk. I'm like, really? It looks like the guy could dunk when he was like six. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's tried to throw it down in a game before and hasn't been able to. Okay. But I think it's more fun for everyone if they say it's his first dunk when really it's his first game dunk, I I think. I appreciate you clarifying that because I was confused. And and one more point of clarification. I believe your boy Guavo is actually Quavo. Okay. (laughs) Just... Quavo, all, all apologies to Mr. Straight. Quavo and the Migos. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know what I'll say about that, though, is I am a little bit interested because it would be impossible really for any athlete in the in the rest of sports history to live up to the expectations set for them the way LeBron did with his. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously going to be unreal to expect Bronny Jr. to – be as good as his father, but I will be interested to see how good people expect him to be. At what point will he be considered either a success or uh, n- not a failure, so to speak, but you know, not making it? Um, wh- what's that kind of threshold and uh, what's that look like for him? I'll be interested to see kind of how he just matures as a as a kid into a into a younger man. I mean, this. It's a with the social media agent, like you said, all these cameras that are like at his games and stuff, like people taking highlight reels of him, like not even like, there weren't even this many highlight reels of his dad. So we're at a point where he's facing immense pressure. I'll be interested to see how he handles it. But obviously he's got no better coach than his own father. So uh, I'm interested in that. I, I, the one thing I'll say about LeBron that I'm not crazy about is like he he essentially said he regrets uh, giving him the name LeBron because he thinks that. it gives him a lot of pressure. But then he goes and he does this thing, and I'm not going to say this as an original take. I saw this somewhere else. But when you go hop in the layup line and then you start doing a dunk contest, you're just saying, like, videotape this, look over here, my son's playing in this game. Um, I, if you want to sit on the sidelines, fine. If you want to be supportive, fine. But, like, don't say that, you know, it's brought all this extra attention and then go intentionally bring extra extra attention. It seems like he's a little bit talking out of, you know, calling it one way and and living in another. Well, LeBron, not the first time LeBron's done that. I mean, he's kind of famous. I mean, I remember the one time in a press conference, I think it was, you know, in the aftermath of Draymond getting suspended for punching him in the in the balls. He talked about how he was going to, LeBron talked about how he was going to take the high road and then went right yes. ahead and did the exact opposite. I mean, he does that kind of thing yep. all the time. I just all think it's kind of part of LeBron's charm, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, his narrative is always just whatever benefits him. Yeah, it's whatever he says at the time. He'll say one thing today, he'll say another thing tomorrow, whatever. That's that's like LeBron's charm to me. I think it's great. Honestly, I do. Yeah, I, 
I, I'm just <laughs> I'm just really interested in. It annoys me. I just don't feel like. He, I don't even think he knows who he is. Yeah, I think you're right. I I think I think that's a fair criticism. You know, I do think I'll and, and I'll finish on this. I think it's going to be really fun and interesting to watch and see. I think LeBron really wants to play in an NBA game with his son. He's on record as saying that. I think that's a legitimate goal. So, Bronny Jr. is now 13, so they're going to go to the rule where he doesn't even have to go to college by the time he's old enough. So, we're only looking Mm -hmm. at like five more years before he could potentially be in the NBA if he's that good. I mean, that could definitely happen. LeBron's going to be in the NBA for another five years. How, How cool would that be? For maybe even they could be on the same team. I mean, that would really. No, it'd be like, I mean, essentially the benchmark for this right now is the Griffies, right? Yeah. They, they both homered in the same game. Yeah. Playing in the same game. I mean, that that is what we're looking at. The basketball equivalent. I mean, I don't believe it's ever happened in football. At least not that I'm aware of. I don't. No. I don't know if it's happened. Only in basketball. baseball. Only so. baseball. And then there's um, been. It's probably bunch... happened in golf at some point. Yeah, but of but, the uh, of the four, maybe in hockey. I don't I don't know enough about hockey. Um, but in baseball, basketball, football, I, it's never happened in basketball or football. Only in baseball, it's happened a bunch. I mean, I think back to the Alou brothers, it happened. I think too. I sure. Think, um, I could be wrong about that too, but but so you mentioned you know the possibility of that, and I guess maybe that's where the expectation gets set. If he, if he gets to a position where even he could play, not even on his dad's team, but just play in the same league that his dad is, play in a game that his dad is also playing in, whether on the same team or as an opponent, maybe that's where you set the, I hope he gets here, and anything short of that is, that's disappointing, and anything above that is gravy. Yeah, I mean, it, there's, yeah, and agree, and it, there's just... Because getting the NBA is still a really hard thing to do. Incredibly hard, incredibly hard. I mean, now more so than ever, as more players around the world I mean, play. Jeffrey Jordan tried to go down the same road as his dad, and, you know, he averaged like a couple points a game at Georgia Tech, and that was that. And that could certainly be the case here. Yeah, it's going to be just interesting to see how Bronny Jr. And I don't think they even call him that. It's just Bronny now. So I'm interested yeah. to see how Bronny handles the spotlight. Uh, it's about as bright as it's ever been on anybody. So let's see how he handles it. But why don't and you. And one uh, more quick note yeah, uh, uh, that there's an, uh, a European sports book that has odds on where Bronny will go to college. Huh. Uh, I don't remember what the whole list is, but Duke is minus 140 favorite. Well, they visited, the the James family visited Durham, I think, last week. So I think that's oh. why. And LeBron has come out more recently and said, had he gone to college, he would have gone to Duke and played for Coach K. Can Coach K mm-hmm. hold on for another five years? I, that's another Good side. question. Another thing to follow here on the Buck and Sack Show, so we will follow that. Um, why don't you give us your, uh, give me your wild card of the week? Yeah, my wild card is inspired by the Baseball Hall of Fame inductions uh, that we had this weekend. Um, some names that like were really exciting and kind of were um, stars in the heyday of when I grew to love baseball. Um, uh, as a as a younger kid, um, and I was a big time Chipper Jones fan. I remember the little the revolution in Little League of everyone starting to wear their socks up, and he essentially started that trend. Yeah. But um, I mean, he was just a solid ball player. And then Vlad Guerrero. I mean, not many you couldn't kind of pick two baseball players with more uh, different styles. Uh, you know, Chipper was so deliberate and Vlad so wild. But uh, you know, two guys that were a big part of my baseball viewing youth. But my question. Um, 
is about non-Hall of Famers. Give me one of your favorite athletes. Uh, could be any sport. Certainly could be baseball. That is uh, that is most certainly not a Hall of Famer, but that you have uh, a Hall of Fame type uh, fervor for as a fan. Oh yeah, great question. And the guy that immediately comes to mind, I've got a picture of him here on the wall as I turn around to look at it. It's my favorite athlete ever. It's Dale Murphy. Um, he was okay. He was my favorite player when I was a boy growing up. I mean, I, I, I've been a Braves fan since I can remember anything. I, I literally started watching Braves games on TBS when I was like two or three years old. So I was born in '78. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murph won back-to-back MVPs in the early '80s, and I just love Dale Murphy and I love the Braves ever since I could basically talk and walk. I mean, honestly. Um, and he is one of the guys that is on a lot of people's list as like being one of the best players to not be in the Hall of Fame. In fact, there was a Wright Thompson article late last week on in ESPN the magazine that I still haven't read about how you know Murph was apparently like he's just shy of 400 home runs. I think he has 399 career home runs, and he's kind of mm-hmm. like the poster boy for you know what could have happened had he been born a little later and was in the PED era and maybe put up another 100 home runs, would he definitely be in? Um, so I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But Dale Murphy, you know, widely respected. is one of the nicest, classiest baseball players ever. Everyone who's ever met him seems to love him. But, you know, he was a really good player. I'll give you another guy, just for the sake of talking, that I always really liked. And I never really understood. There were two. I... You know, back in the like late 80s, early 90s, when I was watching NFL football, I, I was always into like the really big running backs, like guys that should maybe be fullbacks, but were sure. actually running backs. So there were three guys that come to mind. There was uh, Christian Okoye, the Nigerian Nightmare. Oh, yeah. There was uh, yeah. Craig Ironhead Hayward. And then my uh-huh. my favorite of the three was Natron Means and Berman always Chris Berman always called him Natron Means business. And I remember he was uh-huh. on the Chargers and the Jaguars. He went to UNC for whatever reason. I just love those three guys, but particularly Natron. Um, I don't know. It just says he had a cool name, power runner. Uh, you know, awesome to watch. I love watch. I remember there was a game when he was with the Jaguars late in his career. Where they, when they were first an expansion team with Mark Brunel as the quarterback, they went to the AFC Championship game, and uh, Natron was just big. He was really important to that run. I really liked mm-hmm. him. And then there was actually another guy that would kind of fit that mold, maybe a little later. Uh, and his name's the guy. Ron Dane? No, not Ron Dane. Um, he was on the 49ers. He went to Florida State, his, his nickname was Bar Nun. You know what I'm yeah, talking? William Floyd. Yeah, William yeah. Barnun Floyd. He was kind of in that mold. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. Just big, like you don't. His have dad that. was a William Floyd's dad wanted him to be a boxer, so his middle name was Ali, so that he could be William Ali if he in fact became a good boxer yeah. himself. Great knowledge, but uh, you know, I I I miss the days of the big fullback who could also tote the rock. I think that those guys don't yeah. really exist in today's game anymore. Um, I love mm-hmm. your Mike Allstott. Yeah, Mike Allstott was a good one. Touchdown, Tommy Vardell. Uh, all those guys. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. Yeah. I wish I wish the game yeah. would kind of come back around and, and and have a place for guys like that. Um, why don't you give me yours? Why don't you give me like a, a guy who wasn't a Hall of Fame caliber player that you really liked? Yeah, a, a couple guys in a couple different sports immediately come to mind. Uh, 
I'll start with baseball. Uh, Will Clark. I mean, I, I myself is a, I myself am a lefty, um, and he um, was really good both with the bat and with the glove. I loved how smooth his swing was. I loved how kind of nimble he was as a defender. Um, really didn't get as much credit for that as he as he could have. And he kind of just had an attitude and a swagger. And I, I don't necessarily always love brash and brazen, but I think. His came from, uh, I mean, he was just a hyper-competitive guy, and I, I just, I kind of loved the Will Clark aura. You know, he only hit 284 or something like that, which is, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. It's still very good, but he's not considered a Hall of Famer. He won't be. He's, you know, withdrawn from uh, consideration after the first year on the ballot, but um, just a, I have Hall of Fame caliber fandom for him. And then a couple guys in other sports, um, one is uh, is Ryan Klo of the formerly of the San Jose Sharks. Sure. Uh, I used to be more a little bit more of a, a puckhead than I am now, but uh, I what I loved about him was that he was a, a forward who could score and he could fight. And usually your fighters are kind of just your goons and they don't have a lot of skill, but he could find the net and he could fight. He was a good teammate and uh, his career fell off really quickly and he, he never, you know, he, he was never even really a star, but um, I just loved the type of player he was. And then for, uh, for football, it was Merton Hanks. I loved mm, uh, the, the long the neck in the secondary, the long neck, the chicken dance as he called yeah. it. Um, and where were that things flopping around? But basically uh, that secondary was so good. I'm not sure he would have been as successful as a safety on some other teams that demanded a little more, but he was such a great center fielder and super dangerous as a return man when he did um, intercept some of those passes and uh, nowhere near being a Hall of Fame caliber, but just a, a fun guy uh, that was a, a part of a, a really good team. Yeah, I mean, we could we could talk about guys like this all day long. I mean, especially when you bring college players in the mix. I mean, I could name... 40 Alabama players that fit this mold, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and 30 Syracuse basketball players. But I will just say this. I, got, I actually was with Will Clark on Friday. You're not gonna, I didn't tell you that, but wow. yeah, you're not going to believe that. So I was in Richmond, uh, and they have a double-A team, the Richmond Flying Squirrels, which is the Giants, uh-huh. uh, the Giants affiliate. Yeah. And so I was down in Richmond, and I've been like, as I told you, networking to see if I can't get a gig in Richmond, and it went everything went well. Um, and I was I was in the office of like, he's not their general manager, he's kind of like, but he runs the business side of the team. So he's kind of this real colorful character that his last name's Parnell. Everyone calls him Parney. So I was sitting there just kicking it with Parney, and Will Clark comes in, and then, you know, and I was like, oh, Will, what are you doing here, whatever, and. Uh, Parney introduced me to him and I've had few run-ins with Will over the years working with the Giants and he you know he Mm -hmm. acted like he remembered me produce I I produced a a Chronicle Live conversation with with him and we talked about that and a couple other things Mm -hmm. he was super nice and I don't I don't know if he really remembered me or not it doesn't matter but he was fun to talk to for 10 minutes and he we were talking you know he went to Mississippi State and uh we were talking right. about college baseball with him and some other things. So it was just fun to see Will. And he's, you know, he's like a roving instructor now for the Giants. Yeah. And he still has that swagger, man. I mean, it's undeniable. I mean, he is a <laughs> he is a ball player. That's the best way to describe yeah, him. I just think he'll, you know, he's just got that sort of vibe that he's a ball player. He's going to be unapologetic about it. And he's going to be like that till the day he dies. And you got... Yep. You, you got to respect that that Mississippi swagger that he has. Um, so that uh-huh. was fun, and that was a great wild card that you had. Hopefully, you'll like mine as well. Thank you. 
as much as I liked yours. So here's mine. You know, I was on the road quite a bit. And, you know, when with road travel, you're, you're flying around, you're in airports, you're in a car, and fast food becomes almost like a necessity. You know, I don't eat a lot of fast food, mm. but I did have some good fast food meals on the East Coast. And I wanted to ask you, what's your top one or two, like, road food places that you really enjoy going? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, well... I guess it's it depends a little bit where you are because sure. if if I am somewhere on the uh, on the East Coast or or maybe in the South, I might uh, kind of aim or angle to get something that I wouldn't be able to get on the West Coast. So like you know I've been to you know games football games in Texas and made sure to stop at Whataburger. Um, you know we don't have uh, not that it's anything special, but uh, when. We went out to Tennessee. We got White Castle because it was out there, and it's not on the West Coast. Sure. But, um, you know, generally speaking, um, I'm a fan of uh, – I like the variety at Jack in the Box. I like uh, – I am a fan of Taco Bell and then uh, In-N-Out Burger Classic. So that, that would probably be my top three in my power rankings in, in no particular order. But I, I do like to try to not branch out – but seek out the the local fare. It used to even be Chick Fil A, but now more of that has come out to the West Coast. Yeah. But that used to be more Southern thing too. Yeah, I, for me, there's a clear top two, um, and it's Waffle House is number one. And oh, see, I hadn't counted that. I would definitely put Waffle House up there. Waffle House is unbelievable. Yeah, good call. It's unbelievable, Ryan. I mean, it's like I like Waffle House not just for like a fast food or not just for fast food. Like, it's one of my favorite 10 restaurants in the world, period. I, I no, honestly, just to sit down. It's, totally, it's a great breakfast it's food. It's fabulous, and it's so cheap, and you can, like, just completely gorge yourself. And it doesn't matter what time <laughs> of the day. You know, it's open 24 hours. It doesn't matter what time you go in. It's well run. You know you're going to have a great meal. You're going to get in and out of there quickly, and you're going to spend, like, less than $12. And, and that's, like, a yeah. high end. And, you know, I yeah. took my whole family in there on a – on a Monday morning on our way down to the Outer Banks, and my three-and-a-half-year-old just couldn't stop talking about how great it was. My one-and-a-half-year-old crushed some hash browns. My wife loved it. I mean, <laughs> the whole Sachs family left extremely happy. Uh, it's just and remind a, me, what's the hash brown thing they do there? It's like they make them dirty? or they Yeah, make you, them, you get uh, to choose. You can get them, like, smothered or covered, and, you know, you can cover them in cheese yeah. or onions or peppers You can or all of it, you know, and it's mm -hmm. all, like, a twenty-five. It's just... Just yeah, a, I kind of consider that more like in the diner category rather than fast food, but it is fast food. It's so road I, yeah, food. Great call. It's road great call food. I, th I, I term it road food. Yeah, let, let, let me get okay. away with this, please. Oh, oh no, no, no! By all means, <laughs> I, I'm just, no, I'm, I'm just jealous I, that I didn't think of it first. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. So then, so that's number one, <laughs> and number two is Chick Fil A. I absolutely love Chick Fil A. Although sadly, I didn't get to a Chick Fil A on the whole three weeks that I was on the. Uh, east coast although to your point there are a lot more on the west coast now although you still have to drive for me there aren't any any that close it's still like at minimum a 45 minute drive out to walnut creek or you go a little further there's one in Nevada, and there's also one in santa rosa um and i've been to all of them <laughs> and yeah I, yeah they're I just, not super prevalent but they're around they're great i mean they're just so great and so well run so those are my top two and i love them again not just for fast or road food, but for all restaurants. Like I could eat, 
I could eat each at Waffle House and Chick-fil-A once a week if I was given the chance. I love them that much. And then third for me is In-N-Out. I do love In-N-Out. I think that In-N-Out, for whatever reason, recently seems to get a little bit of like an overrated tag. I still think it's fantastic. I don't think it's as good as Chick-fil-A, but it's really good. I mean, if I'm getting get a, a special chance to go to the In-N-Out, I'm always going to be happy. And they have the nice iced tea, which I really like, too. I love getting a good mm-hmm. iced tea at, at all three of the places that I just named. So those are my top three. And uh, I still have – I've never been to a Whataburger. I've never been to the Shake Shack. And there there's another one on the East Coast now that people really like – called cookout and people swear by them uh but i haven't been yeah to one of those i actually either. had i had cookout when i was in charlottesville going to an oregon uva football game it was good it yeah was, Pe- uh you know you could choose things for your sides like uh hush puppies and uh or like baked beans instead of just you know fries or onion rings so yeah uh it was like a little bit you know not upscale but like more southern driven uh, fast food, kind of like Popeyes, but without a focus just on chicken, but like gotcha. barbecue. Yeah, I mean, and for me, just just to be clear, I will never go to like McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King. I used to go to Taco Bell a lot in college, but nowadays with all the great Mexican places here on the West Coast, I never will go to a Taco Bell either. But those are like yeah. special on the road, mainly on the East Coast type places. And I just love mm-hmm. them. But uh, we've gone on long enough. You know, we're at about an hour and five minutes now. So let's wrap it up. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. We love hearing comments that you have, good or bad. We love hearing from you and appreciate you guys listening. So uh, we'll see you back here next week. Buck, anything you want to add here before we get out of here? Uh, no, everyone have a wonderful week. Thanks for uh, hopefully enjoying the Buck and Sack Show. Yeah, keep enjoying the Buck and Sack Show. Enjoy, you know, this first week of August, and we'll be back next week for more fun and games. Thanks, everybody.